So hello, Christy. Hello, Julie. Hi, I'm just going to explain who I am. I'm Julie Holiday. I'm the MECFS Holistic Coach, and it is my mission to help people with chronic illness live a more joyful, peaceful, and purposeful life. Now, I have with me today Christy, and um, Christy, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, and, you know, thank you, Julie, so much for the opportunity to speak with you and to connect with your listeners. Um, my name's Christy Cox, and I am a chronic illness sufferer who used to have a life in, you know, marketing and communications, and things go awry, and I've turned myself into similar to what you're trying to do where I've tried to deal and heal with chronic illness but also to find some meaning and some momentum out of it and I really found you know a sense of, of happiness I found a sense of peace and that gave me a purpose to drive forward to be able to you know kind of move beyond the the challenges of chronic illness fabulous well we're going to go into that with a little bit more depth in a few minutes but first of all Christy I'd like to ask you to tell us a little bit about your experience of chronic illness so you know all of us have a story and they're all really important to share and um, mine is with uh, hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or EDS um, if you're familiar with EDS, and unfortunately, too many people are becoming familiar with what used to be thought of as a rare chronic illness, maybe not so rare, but rarely diagnosed. Now, they, scientists think that it's one in 500 people. It's staggering. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I later in life started having some strange not very well correlated health issues and, you know, went on the search for answers and this doctor and that doctor and often dismissed and told I was crazy or told I was just a woman and having women's issues and all those sorts of things that can happen. And, it, you know, I kept getting you know, like a diagnosis after a diagnosis that I now know was more like treating a symptom and it really came to a crash and a halt when um, I passed out when I was driving. Mm. I, I thought I was falling asleep and I was passing out um, and hit the car that was stopped in front of me in traffic. And, of course, I hit the steering wheel and all of those sorts of things. So that led me with, you know, like neck injuries and, and what I thought was whiplash to a physical therapist. And I came in and he laid me down on the table and he reached up underneath here and he said, um, I'm going to write down a word for you and I think you need to go to the emergency room. You know, what, what did you find? And um, he, he said, and he wrote down this on a sticky note and sent me to the emergency room. And he said, I think that you have Atlantio axle instability, which is sometimes known as AAI. So I go to the emergency room 
they do x-rays and pretty much dismiss me and tell me to go home and drink a glass of wine to get over it. <laughs> um, um, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that that is so often what happens to us. Yeah, my first experience with the doctor was go home and drink a glass of water. <laughs> oh, water. Okay, well, at least I got wine. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it, the journey goes to come to the other side. It took me years and years, but I finally got the correct diagnosis of hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And I was passing out because of um, dysautonomia or POTS. Um, and so that stopped the blood from flowing to my brain. And what had happened was the accident exacerbated a cervical spinal instability between my skull and my spine. And they ended up discovering that I had, um, that my skull was sliding more than five millimeters off the back of my spinal cord which was causing, you know, brainstem issues and things like Chiari malformation. And so I was pretty quickly told you need to have a spinal fusion and it would help. Herein lies another challenge that we go through as chronic illness people, finding a provider that can treat you for this. So I find one, I get properly diagnosed and they urge me to have neurosurgery as soon as possible. And then the provider doesn't take insurance. So go through all the things that we again, go through of the struggle to find someone. And I ended up finding um, a great neurosurgeon at the medical university of South Carolina named Dr. Sunil Patel. And he did the neurosurgery on my neck and fused my um, skull down to C3 and when I woke up the next morning, I had new possibilities. Um, my life had turned positive forward again. And I've spent the past year recovering and, you know, getting my life back together. Wow, that's wonderful to find an intervention that makes a true difference, isn't it? Right. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy for you. So... Let's just talk a little bit more about purpose. You started to talk about that. And um, I'd love to hear what purpose means to you. Gosh, what does purpose mean to me? Yeah, before chronic illness, I think purpose meant that I was driven or maybe that I was motivated and, you know, like taking care of my family. But now... After the process that I've gone through with chronic illness, it means so much more. It means really having meaning mm -hmm. and building momentum around what I'm trying to do that is so much larger than just helping and healing myself. It's trying to share what I've learned with other people, with other patients. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's sort of like finding that reason that you know you're here and having the courage and the vulnerability and the energy to be able to put yourself out there yeah. um, to do that, to help other people, just like you're doing, Julie. Thank you. Yes. So what I picked up from that was that sense of 
knowing that you had some kind of growth in yourself, in your healing and in, in some kind of expansion in yourself. But for you, the purpose was making that expansion reach out further beyond just your own growth so that you can support other people with that as well. Absolutely. Wonderful. And I think that is a beautiful way of summarizing purpose. It's about sharing the growth and the momentum that we are going through and making it bigger and putting it out there. And I would like to pick up on another little thing that you said, which was about vulnerability and about in order to share ourselves in a way that has impact, it means being vulnerable. Would you like to talk about that anymore in any way? You know, doesn't it? You're vulnerable with your own self and your fears about what's happening to you. And, and the people around you and how they're responding or reacting, whether that's positive or negative. But when you, when you come to terms with things and, and become better at dealing and healing, and you're able to package together, you know, these are some of the things that work for me. And maybe you just share them with friends. Maybe you do a podcast, no matter, you know, whatever it is that you do in your community um, or you volunteer, you get that purpose. But you also feel a little bit like you're cracking your heart shell open and becoming vulnerable to people knowing the real you, knowing your things that you're insecure about, uh, and knowing what society has always taught us was weakness. You know, that like in sickness and in health. Well, you know, if you're healthy, everybody likes you. And if you're sick, maybe we don't like you so much. And I'm going to share with you all my sick. And that is very, very vulnerable. Yeah, and takes a lot of courage. (laughs) It does take a lot of courage. But I also have found, as you probably have too, when you gain the strength to be able to do it a little bit, then you get responses from other people who are also struggling, and they tell you how much they appreciate what little things that you've done. It feeds a fire within you that helps you grow and have kind of more energy and passion to do things that you didn't even think you could do. Yeah, absolutely. In some ways, that courage is paid off and then it grows even further when you get that feedback that, yes, by showing your vulnerability, you are helping other people to grow too. Yeah, I mean, I think about, you know, Brene Brown, who who writes about vulnerability and how amazingly popular she is. And it's because she's tapping into kind of our soul of the things that people never talked about. And the, you know, what was kind of the dark secrets Mm. of how we all as humans feel and saying it's okay. And so vulnerability, shame, and a lot of those other things are, are so critical to just really growing as, as a self-realized person. So can I ask you, Christy, because one of the things that is a challenge when you have a chronic illness is to actually find the energy to <laughs> devote into having purpose. So have you got any tips? How do you balance 
having purpose with still taking great care of yourself? That is a wonderful, wonderful question. And it is a challenge. You know, the, the, the first thing that I do, kind of moment to moment, is um, breathe. Remind myself, slow down, take a deep breath. And sometimes it's even hard for me to take three deep breaths. It's like, you know, I, I'm so impatient that I can't even go through three deep breaths. So, I mean, that's kind of my, my 911, like just three deep breaths. But so much of chronic illness is what I see as kind of, you know, the, the Sisyphus principle. Um, if you're familiar with that, it's, you know, the person who's pushing that boulder uphill and, you know, it's a, a battle. You get to the top and maybe things get better and, you know, you go back down again and you're going through a good phase and then the next thing you know, you're going uphill again. And it's that boom and bust cycle of trying to take care of your energy management of the ups and downs and the waves that you have to roll with, with chronic illness. And so, you know, my second tip would be, I try to remind myself, roll with the tide. You know, I, I actually imagine myself like maybe in the ocean or something and, you know, allowing myself to let go, to not fight it, to just kind of roll with it. Um, it is kind of something else that like in a guided visualization way that I do to try to help myself because it is a constant struggle to try to take care of yourself and find the energy and manage your energy to do it. Another tip that I have is I personally believe in your mindset is kind of a miracle of modern medicine it's a way for you to change the way that you respond and you react to your situation it's very very easy when you're chronically ill to get down in the dumps and worry about financial struggles and all of the things that that go on but I find if I try just little ways to retrain my brain to think of it for example, instead of thinking, oh, my goodness, I have all these medications and all these things, I try to say to myself, okay, let's focus on what's a benefit that I'm getting from one of these medicines. How has it changed my life for the better? Instead of thinking about, oh, my God, I have to do all this and take all this medicine. So I say to myself, thank you, adversity, for yet another. Yeah, I think that finding a way to reframe the things that get on top of us a lot is really important. Finding a way to change the way we think about those things so that we can have a better experience. The two other kind of really most important things is I'm a very big believer in self-care and helping yourself to really understand that self-care is not selfish. You can think of the old airline pilot, or airline attendant, you know, put your mask on first. You really can't help others unless your mask is working properly. Self-care is often confused for like getting your nails done and things like that. And self-care to me is really about asking yourself an honest question. What do I need to do to restore myself right now, whether it's physically, emotionally, whatever, and following through on that promise 
of doing the activity to do that. So I feel like self-care is is so critical. And then for me personally, my like I said, the breathing and my other practice is I take that a step further and, and go into mindfulness. And I go into stopping my monkey mind from going a little bit crazy and saying, hang on a second, time out, get out of your head and get into the present moment. And whatever that means for me, like that might mean paying attention to like what's going on around me, taking those deep breaths, but to really find the way to savor the joy in what's happening in, in this moment mm-hmm. instead of worrying and obsessing about things in the past or worrying about things in the future and just saying, this is here I am right now and there's a lot of good going on. So those are my kind of top ways of feeling like, I'm going to find the energy and the focus to be able to do what I need to do to take care of myself when energy management and pacing is so hard. Yeah. Fabulous. Oh, those were some wonderful tips. Thank you so much for sharing. So now it's time to talk about your present purpose and in a little bit more detail. So Tell me about how you have specifically been working on your purpose recently. So I'm really excited to share. um, After I had my surgery on my neck and, you know, had this really positive recovery, I decided to start putting myself to the test. You know, can I go back to work? I haven't worked in several years being on disability because of chronic illness. And so the first test was, can I sit in a chair and have the blood properly flow to my brain so that my brain can think? And so, you know, it, it was it was little baby steps. And so for a year and a half, I've been going through, you know, a little baby step further each each day. And it became, let's see if I can sit at my desk. Let's see if I can type. Let's see if I can, like, create a thought. And so this led me down the purpose of trying to take all the research that I've done on dealing with EDS as a rare disorder that has such a severe lack of resources available and not very many, you know, medical practitioners that, that know how to treat it and to start just collecting and capturing data and putting it in, you know, like documents. And that led me to say, I wonder if there's like something I can share in here and how can I share it? And so since my former career was being in communications, I was a writer. So I started just creating a document. Well, here we are a year and a half later, and I'm about to publish a book. Which, <laughs> who thought that, that I would ever do that? But it's been such a great journey for me to collect this information, to get better and, and better every day. And to be able to take, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of research that you do when you have chronic illness and put it into a form that might be something that could be a guide for another person who's dealing with the diagnosis or who's dealing with chronic illness and all the effects of what happens to your emotions, what happens to your sense of identity, what happens to your, you know, like, kind of losing your purpose, refinding your purpose, hopefully. Um, I had some particular challenges in 
you know, relationships of people that didn't understand what I was going through or, you know, didn't believe what I was going through. So for me, putting that and packaging it together in something that I can share with the world is, has really been a huge part of, of my purpose. And I'm excited to say that the book, which is called Holding It All Together When You're Hypermobile, is coming out on Amazon and other retailers in a couple of weeks. So I'm a little bit stressed about it. <laughs> but um, so much to do, but so many people need the help. It's not about me. It's not about making money. It's definitely about figuring out how you can help other people. And it's really driving me to, you know, keep going, keep getting up, keep sitting in this chair and um, finding a way to, to get the word out to, you know, other spoonies. So do you have a specific release date for your book? Oh, yes. So it's coming out um, August 11th. August 11th. Which is fabulous. now a couple of weeks away. And it'll be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and some of those other things. And for anyone that might be interested, I have a book website that's www.holdingitalltogether.com. And, you know, you can subscribe if you're interested in learning, you know, what, when it comes out so that I can make the announcement. But, um, writing a book <laughs> is a really, really challenging process. And then learning how to write a book and learning how to do all the things to write a book has been a really interesting process that I'm still going through, but it's given me such a great sense of purpose. All the learning involved in the book, I believe that growth and learning is another really important purpose as well, that even if other purposes aren't that accessible to us at times um there's always something that we can learn there's always growth that can happen yeah i definitely agree with you i mean you know being a student of life and and you know constantly learning new things and you know being able to pass on that knowledge because knowledge is power yeah. And, you know, I, I've always done that in my former life. You know, if I was like a boss, I wanted to mentor the people that work for me and teach them how to do things. I never wanted to be that only person who knew how to do whatever it was at the office. I felt like other people needed to know. So this is, you know, just been kind of a big extension of that in the sense of, okay, I'm going to try to figure out how to help other people with their health and how to, you know, help their families help them with their health. And what's been so remarkable to me, and, and to be honest, surprising, is I spent a lot of time reaching out and researching, you know, like, who who were the experts in the field, and who were the, the medical professionals, or the patient advocates, or, you know, the people in the nonprofit foundations that were really supporting EDS. And so I began reaching out to contact them to interview them for the book. And I had this overwhelmingly positive response in that I have probably eight or 10 expert medical providers that are interviewed and included in the book, from neurosurgeons to ophthalmologists to physical therapists, you know, different kinds of things. And then uh, there's also been so many of the patients in the community that have contributed things. 
I mean, I've had people contribute art that's included in the book. I've had people contribute poems that are included in the book. Uh, I, I even had the opportunity and reached out to um, Miss America 2020, Camille Schreier, who has EDS, and she participated in the book and the, got connected with uh, the scientific researchers at the Medical University of South Carolina who are doing research on this disease and believe that they have found some of the genetic markers, which could lead to simpler, faster, easier testing. And and they got involved with the book. And so I feel like it's been this huge opportunity of patients helping patients, people coming together to try to solve a problem in, in a way that almost like crowdsources your health care. So it's been such a beautiful experience and I can't wait to, you know, share it with, with everyone. It sounds extremely exciting. I'm sure it's going to help lots and lots and lots of people. I hope so. But, you know, as I said all along, you know, my goal was if I could help one single person, it would be worth it. Yeah. Fabulous. I think that might be time to draw this interview to a close now, Christy. It has been a sheer delight talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing what you've been sharing. And I look forward to your book coming out on the 11th of August. Yes, thank you, Julie. And thanks to all your support of Spoonies and chronic illness sufferers and, and keeping us focused on, you know, the positive and the, the, the miracles of the, the right mindset. And uh, thank you again for the opportunity to, to talk to you today. Oh, thanks. It's great to speak to you. Thank you very much.